For the next four weeks, starting today, we are reading through St. Paul's second letter to Timothy, his young protege. And if you remember your New Testament, you may remember that Paul, when he's writing, is in prison in Rome. He's essentially uh, on death row. He's waiting to be executed. And he writes this letter, his almost like a farewell discourse or a dying declaration to his friends. Fifteen years of ministry, mission together. And now at the end of his life, Paul writes to encourage Timothy in the face of suffering to persevere in the gospel. So as we look at this passage, I want to use it to see three things. First of all, the flame of ministry. Secondly, the furnace of ministry. And then thirdly, the fuel of ministry. The flame, the furnace, and the fuel. First, the flame. I remind you, St. Paul writes, to rekindle the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So what was the gift that was in Timothy? Well, we're not entirely sure, but it was probably something akin to ordination. If you've never been to an ordination service, we're actually going to have one on December 7th here at this church, St. Uh, when St. Charlie, Deacon Charlie, uh, don't tell him I said that, uh, when Deacon Charlie will be made a priest. But at my ordination in Washington, D.C. years and years ago, um, I knelt down before uh, Bishop Montgomery who laid his hands on me and he said, Father, through Jesus Christ, your son. Give your Holy Spirit to Samuel. Bishop Montgomery hated nicknames, so he called me Samuel. My old, whole time I knew him. Fill him with grace and power and make him a priest in your church. And through that prayer and those hands, the Holy Spirit instilled in me the charismata, or the gifts, the duties of my priesthood. But remember that one time, hands were laid on you. I remember uh, a few years ago, I saw a t-shirt uh, that had like the name of a parish on the front, like St. Bart's. And on, on the back, it had the words, ordained at baptism. And first of all, it bugged the snot out of me. Um, and I thought, man... Wish you'd have told me that before I went to not one but two seminaries and spent all this money. All I had to do was be baptized. But the shirt, that shirt was not a shot. In fact, it was just a reminder to clergy and laity alike that the ministry of St. Bartholomew, the ministry of any church, does not belong to the priest alone. That ours is a shared ministry. And like Timothy, each of us is given charismata. Each of us is given gifts that empower us to do our job. Now that, that has implications. Implications for me and implications for you. For me, it means that I am not really as important as I may like to think that I am. George Martin, writing in today's parish, he was talking about the the growing shortage of ordained clergy. And he had an interesting suggestion. He said, perhaps pastors should imagine they're going to have three more years in their parish as pastor. And 
that there will be no replacement for them when they leave. If they acted as if this was going to happen, they would put the highest priority on selecting, motivating, and training lay leaders that could carry on as much as possible the mission of the parish after they left. The results of three sustained years of such an approach would be quite significant, even revolutionary. No priest is indispensable to God's work in the world. God is building his church. God is saving the world, and he can get along fine without me. Thank you very much. My job is to say the mass and to train, motivate, and enable you, to release you to do the ministry that God has given you to do in the world. That's the implication for me, but what about for you? Well, the implication for you is that you all have jobs to do. At baptism, the Holy Spirit gave you gifts, but watch they do not burn down to embers. Because gifts can grow dim, they can grow weak when they're not used. And Paul told Timothy to rekindle or to fan his, flame, uh, fan his gifts into flame. I don't know who said it, uh, but somebody said that if a man is on fire, the world will come to watch him burn. The ministry of the church in the world requires all of us to be aflame. That is the flame of ministry. Point two, the furnace of mystery. God did not give us the spirit of cowardice, but a spirit of power, love, self-discipline. Don't be ashamed then of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel. So when you fan the flame of your gifts, I don't know exactly what will happen, but I do know this. I do know that you'll suffer. I do know that you'll suffer for it. All over the world, people are persecuted. They're even killed uh, for their faith in Jesus. And somehow, in some way, each of us suffers as well. And understandably, that is a really scary idea. One of my heroes is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You know his story. He was a Lutheran pastor in Hitler's Germany and uh, in 1939, he came to America to go to Union Theological Seminary in New York City. Uh, but as the war approached, he knew that he could not help to rebuild his country after the war unless he suffered with his country during the war. So he went back voluntarily. He did everything he could to support the resistance and undermine the Reich. At one point, he even joined a plot to kill the Fuhrer led to him being arrested, put in a concentration camp, and then on the eve of the end of the war, April 9th, 1945, when he was just 39 years old, he was hanged at Flossenburg. But whatever he was on the platform when they put the noose around his neck, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was not surprised. This is his most famous book. It's called The Cost of Discipleship. And in it, before his death, he wrote, how is the disciple to know what kind of cross is meant for him? He will find out as soon as he begins to follow his Lord and share his life. 
Suffering is the badge of true discipleship. The disciple is not above his master. If I'm not suffering because I'm a Christian, I wonder sometimes if I'm doing it right. Suffering's always a part of the life of discipleship, but you do not have to be afraid of that. You don't have to be afraid because you can even rejoice because it is only in the furnace of suffering that God makes us, molds us into what God needs. Uh, Peter Kraft, the professor of philosophy at Boston College, a book called Back to Virtue, he wrote, the very blows of our persecutors are in the ironic economy of God's providence, the blows of the chisel that sculpt us into ourselves. The world's very attempt to destroy us helps make us. The flame of ministry, the furnace of ministry, and then finally, the fuel of ministry. The, the last verse I read, verse 8, where I said, join with me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God, that verse actually ends in the middle of a sentence. But if you read the next sentence, it begins, join with me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God, who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. So it seems to me that there are two equal and opposite dangers in being called by God. One is to think that you can do nothing. The other is to think that God can do nothing without you. Neither of those is true. So Timothy may have thought, you know, I, I can't do anything for God. I'm too young, I'm too frail, I'm too timid. But it's God's work in the world. God will get the work done. But not only should Timothy not think that he can do nothing, he sh or none of us should think that God can't do the work without Timothy. One of my favorite places in the Bible is Deuteronomy 7. And in Deuteronomy 7, Israel gets called by God. Israel is told this. It was not because you were more in number than any other people. The Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you are the fewest of all peoples, but it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath he swore to your fathers. God does not choose the smartest or the richest or the most eloquent or the most anything. God chooses whom God chooses and then gives you gifts to do the work in the world, to evangelize, to serve, to love, to suffer, to bear witness to bear burdens of other people. All the things that are necessary to finish God's great project to save the world. And here's the fuel for that ministry. The gospel says that God called us. God marked us out. Made us his daughters and his sons. Not because of anything that we had done. But before we did anything in the world. Just because he loves us. I've heard it called the dreadful compliment. That God calls us as instruments to heal the world, not because of what we've done, but simply because he puts his love on us.
That is the gospel. And it is the only fuel for ministry. So come, my friends, and burn. Consider that an invitation. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.